Kia ora everyone and welcome back to the Best Side Podcast. Stoked to be bringing you another episode uh, as we kick into the new year uh, with COVID and all sorts of movements and crazy things happening at the moment. Um, it's been awesome reconnecting with people through the podcast and touching base uh, and exploring these themes and thoughts and ideas and things that we got into exploring uh, before the crazy year that is 2020 came along and gave everyone a bit of a wake up. Speaking of waking up, today's guest we are talking to Mr. Paul Rangi Wahia. Getting your warrant of fitness is pretty standard for those of us that own cars. Uh, while paying for it isn't always fun, ensuring that the vehicles that carry us and our loved ones are operating efficiently, structurally sound and therefore safe is always a part of the journey when owning a car. But what about owning our own lives? Do check your own structures, your own foundations, all the little bits and pieces and the big bits and pieces too that hold you, your body, your spirit and your mind all together. It's quite a big chance and it's quite likely that you don't. Well, in this episode, we catch up with Paul Rangiwa here, a South Taranaki artist whose life and experiences led him overseas as an athlete, then back home to Aotearoa working in a bar serving gang members. From the ascension of his business and its ultimate demise, which led to Paul becoming an ambassador and spokesperson for mental health within New Zealand, and no doubt soon to be abroad as well. Also in here, we talk about the foot rub that absolutely changed his life, and I'm sure it's going to change the lives of many. Make sure you lock yourselves in for this episode, Fana, especially if you have a passion for mental health. Um, or maybe you've got stuff going on with your own journey at the moment. As always, our guests like to give a bit of tangible advice and things that we can apply to our own lives. So check it out, Fano. This is Paul Rangiwahia on the Best Side Podcast, a mental health warrant of fitness. Where are you from and where did you grow up and introduce yourself to Yeah, you yeah. My name is Paul Angiwa here, and uh, I was born in Hawera. Um So my mum and dad still live down there, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, family five. So uh, I was lucky, you know, growing up with a, with a big family. And uh, yeah, in terms of my uh, Māori roots, uh, so uh, um, Papa back to Nāti uh, uh, Nui in Taranaki, um, as the Iwis, and um, yeah, it's uh, uh, very very proud of my, my heritage, and I. I feel as a um, uh, as a person of being able to contribute I've been very fortunate to be able to work, walk both in, in Māori and in Pākehā worlds you know mm-hmm. and feel comfortable in, in both um, went to school down there at Haurau High School Sweet. and uh, yeah it was great you know it was, a, it was an awesome town I loved you know small town New Zealand back then which was uh, you know the 70s and 80s for me mm-hmm. um, and uh, it uh, you know, a big trip was going to New Plymouth, you know, you know, and if you're lucky, you know, you might have got McDonald's or KFC or something like that, but, you know, life was really, really simple, and we had everything in our, in our town, didn't want for much, um, so I, I felt I had a really uh, privileged um, upbringing, and uh, and there was, um, yes, yeah, some really, you know, cool people, it, it was a conservative part of the country, um, but, uh, you know, there was a great sense of community down there, you know, and that's st- stuck with me uh, throughout my life, you know, the importance of, of community. You put a camaraderie against Big Bad New Plymouth a lot of times <laughs> in Hamadura. Oh, always, always. And uh, you need that, you know, that, uh, especially like in, in sport and things, isn't mm. it, you know? Um, the big the big cousin, you know, and you always have a crack at them. Um, yeah, so they finished high school and, uh, you know, as many Kiwis, uh, I wanted to see a bit more of the world and, and luckily I was uh, you know good at sport um, so it was before professionalism but it, even still I was able to go and play cricket 
you know, in um, uh, in Holland. Um, oh, yeah, which was which was awesome. And then um, came back, went to university, and um, I uh, went. Oh, sorry, you're good. I thought the heater was on. Oh. Um, went to university and yeah, and I kind of was. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. To be fair, as as often we do, and. Yeah, looking back now, I always hate that question that people ask kids leaving school. It's like, oh, what are you going to do? You know, mm. what job are you going to do? And uh, and I didn't know what to do, so I just did what my brother did, which was a business degree. You know, and, uh, <laughs> the face you're making is just know, it's it's so funny. funny. I know, and and and, um, and I didn't find learning hard, so you know, I sort of did that degree, mm. and then went back overseas. But to be fair, I was you know I was pretty, I was a little bit lost, you know, um, I guess after university because. Um, and, and it sort of dawned on me when I, when I had a, a big sort of uh, meltdown in my early 40s um, yeah where I kind of I'd been I had, I, I'd been living a, a life really that wasn't with my heart you know it's, mm. it was more with my, my head you know and I was trying to fit in and, and uh, I wanted to achieve things but I didn't really know how to do them and I was not very good and was very poor at actually asking for help, you know, getting advice, having a mentor, you know, those sort of sort of yeah. things. So I kind of like um, didn't make good decisions and, and did a lot of stuff for the wrong reasons, you know, um, in, in the pursuit of trying to, to, to get to a, a place which in, inside me I wanted to get to, which is to be creative. Mm. Um, it was just, I took the a journey, you know, that was a bit more... A very long run. Yeah, it kind of was. But, but, you know, I'm saying that it's, it's good now because you realise that all, all those, you know, poor mistakes and inability to trust your own judgement and, and uh, the, the decisions, you know, around relationships and things that you made, you know, make up who I am today, you know, and, and there's a lot of good learnings in those things that you can pass on to other people, you know, mm. so... So we... That's awesome. You've, you've kind of given us a summary of all the things we're going to be talking about throughout the quarter today, so that's awesome. Nice. Flicking it back to your Howard days growing up, so is that five siblings or five people in the house? Yeah, five siblings, point? yeah. So I had a... Um, so where are you on the, the hierarchy I'm, of stuff? I'm in the middle. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it was awesome because, uh, you know, older brother and sister, they sort of paved the way. Mm. And um, I was good at sports, I was always in, you know, the good teams and the younger one generally, so I got up to a lot of mischief. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Got <laughs> away with a lot more than the other two did. I, I did, I did. Um, and, and it was great, you know, I loved, I loved uh, uh, now that we've got a big family because it's so cool, you know, to be able to have those relationships that our cousins, you know, my children mm. have with their cousins and I have with uh, my nieces and nephews and and uh, my uh, brothers and sisters, you know, husbands and wives and stuff, you know, it's such a cool thing. And we all get on, you know, and that's the thing I'm very proud of because you do look at some families and they're either dysfunctional um, or they are, you know, squabbling over things like money, you know, mm-hmm. or who hasn't got this and who hasn't got that. And we don't have that, you know, and it's uh, it's very refreshing, you know, it's very rewarding in a, in a time where I think communities um, have changed so much, you know. And, uh, and, and and the family dynamic is, is very, very different. So we still, you know, come back together and, you know, it's really important to us. I was going to ask that, like the family dynamic, because a lot of guests that I speak to that come from big families, it can get very political. Yeah. Especially if it's an odd number. Yeah. It's like, all right, I need the majority <laughs> vote here. And, you know, this fellow's ringing up that for like, hey, remember when this happened? And I also had a guest the other day and she's one of seven. Yeah. And she said when like things like that come along, it is very much everyone's on the phone, like, okay, like, what do you want to do? What do you know? And there's, 
a bit of this stuff happening, which is pretty cracked up. You guys never went through that. Oh, you on the same of course, page course you did. Oh, of course okay. you did. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting. You kind of get roles in your family, don't you? Like, I was always the diplomat. You know, like if, nah. if there was like guests from being in the middle. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah. And if there were guests coming, I'd get pushed out there to go. You know, I'd be the greedy party. You know, and all the rest of the kids would stay down watching telly. Um, but I, I kind of thrived in that, and it was sort of um, who, you know, that sort of set me in the direction that, that I, you know, am um, heading in now. And as I, I love people, and I love being able to communicate and, and share, you know, mm. um, a message. So, was it something that you ever felt ashamed of at times, like you know, being told to do the talking or going? Was it, or was it something you embraced wholeheartedly the whole time? Yeah, I kind of, um, uh, in a way, didn't get a choice. Sometimes it was, mm. you know, because that was my. My, my, my role, but um, I uh, got a lot of kisses, you know, from the, you know, the uh, ladies. Got, <laughs> yeah. got, a, got a lot of cheap calls. Yeah, yeah, had a, had a good set of lips, so, you know, that was always popular, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I didn't really. I, I, I guess you kind of uh, just, in a big family, you've got to muck in, don't you, mm. you know? And everyone's got their role, eh? Yeah, yeah, we did a lot more, you know, you did the dishes together and you, you ate together and you mowed the lawns and picked up the dog poo and you know, you had to contribute, didn't you? Yeah. And that was just one of the one of the things. So in the end it becomes very natural and you just do it automatically, you know, without thinking. It's funny you say that. So last weekend my brother and I, we're the only ones who lives in Tabamaki still, and we've got one in Brisbane, one in Wellington, one over in Portuguese. And they we all ended up coming together last week and we were all cracking up at how everyone kind of sinks back into those roles. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm I'm very much the you of of Alfano. I was the one who was made to get up on the Pai Pai. I was the one who was made to talk. I was the one to greetings, be the first one at the gate to welcome people in. And it was funny, my brother used to give me heaps for being lazy because I wasn't out the back digging the hole and all that sort of thing. But my co like especially my nan, was like, no, he's contributing in ways that you fellas don't have the balls to do it. So. I, I, I know what you say. It was exactly that, because I was often looked at the um, the showboater, you know, the, and, and, and not, probably lazy, because I was exactly the same. Mm. But I think, you know, people do recognise that, don't you? Because it's a role that they don't want to do. Yeah. You know? So it's, uh, yeah. It's funny though, because like, I know my brothers, they wanted me to not only do what I was doing, but also dig the yeah, hole. Yeah. Like, not only just... <laughs> Yeah, you would just still do your talk stuff, but you got to come help us out too. And that's when I was going to have my grandmother around. She was like, no, like, this is his role. Yeah. Like, if you want him to come do that stuff, you can, but then one of you have to go in and do that role. Oh, no, I know. You know what people like with public speaking. Like, no, no. But that's where the question came from, I guess, with that, I guess, the, the shame or were you ever embarrassed? Because my brothers all the time were telling me to shut up. And they were kind of, I almost always got to a point where I felt bad to speak up or do the yep. speaking that I kind of cowered away from it for ages. And it took me a long time to actually be like, you know what, screw you guys. This is my strength. This is my. I know. What I'm good at. But it's, it's amazing because I, I mean, I, I would have done it to my younger brothers as well. I mean, I'm sure I would have um, changed their direction at times because it's something I didn't like, you know, mm. or, or would tease them about. So they'd stop doing it, you know. And um, yeah, because families do shape us so much as, as our friendships do, don't they? Yeah. You know, we, we have people that are influential and, and um, you know, we value their opinion or they're very dominant dominant in their personalities, you know, and it does have a, a bearing on, on, you know, either keeping things down because it's not what they want, you know, yeah. or, uh, yeah, or letting it go because, you know, they don't I, want to do it themselves. It's been pretty interesting now that, you know, we're all older, so I'm, obviously the times we're speaking about, you know, I'm talking about like seven, six, eight, nine, ten sort yeah. of age, but now that we're 30, 40 sort of area, it's funny, um, the kind of brutally honest conversations we have with each other and a lot of them have now told me like it was actually how they felt about themselves yeah and they were like 
well, I'm not comfortable at speaking. Why is he comfortable at speaking? Yeah. Don't let him speak. Well, you know, that's kind yeah. of where the grudge comes from. Well, you can't see yourself doing it, can you? Because often, you know, parents will, uh, uh, you know, say to their kids or people will say, oh, no, don't do that. It's because, you know, the parent or that person could never see themselves doing mm. that, you know. And uh, you've got to be careful with that, with that, don't you, as a role model, you know, not to um, sort of, uh, I guess, put the handbrake on someone else because, you know. Yeah, yeah. like kind of. You're scared. Deflecting your fears onto someone yeah. else sort of thing. Yeah, and it's, it's like, you know, saying um, to, to someone, oh, um, you know, why have, why have they got all that stuff, you know, or why are they so lucky all the time? Pretty much what you're saying is that, you know, I don't have that stuff or, yeah. you know, I, I'm not as lucky as they are, you know. It's more about you than, than them, isn't it? And you mentioned as well, um, you know, your whakapapa and where you whanglai to and all that sort of thing. Is that something that was always pretty important in your household growing up? Or was that something you learned later on? Because I meet with a lot of yeah. different people that go through the journey at different stages. Yeah, well, um, my dad grew up at, at the par on Taiparanui. Um, and uh, um, my granddad worked down at the milk factory. He had a little farm that, uh, next to the par. And uh, it was interesting times that because my um, his older sisters who were twelve years older spoke Maori, and so my cousins are very versed in, in culture and uh, in the language. Um, whereas for my dad, it was like we, you have to go to the Pakia Park. Mm-hmm. You know that's we see the the future. So he wasn't encouraged to speak uh, Maori, and so um, whilst we um, grew up, you know, going to the the park for tangi and for um, events, we we more had that you know Pakia upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were lucky because you know often it's just a total shunner that you know and you you don't get that experience. Um, but yeah, years later now, uh, it's very important to all, all my brothers and sisters, you know, and. Um, my, my sister, she works uh, in the Māori department up at um, the university. My brother did a lot of work um, for policy, writing policy and uh, uh, at a government level, you know, um, Māori policy. So, yeah, we've, we've, we've all are very interested and, and, and uh, yeah, it's hugely important to us. Growing up, though, when you kind of, I guess, weren't as switched on to certain things, um, did you ever feel bad about not knowing certain stuff? I meet Māori all the time who get made to feel... Not mouldy enough, yeah. But then, like, I guess the other side of it. So, if I use myself for example, I grew up in Spotswood, but I went to school at Francis Douglas. Yeah. So when I would go home, my mouldy mates would give me chip for going to a quote unquote what they would call a homo school. Yeah. With all with all the boys only school, um, and then I would go to um, school and they would give me chip for coming from the hoary area of town. Yeah. So yeah. I felt like I couldn't. Oh, there's there's a big pool there. Did you guys go through that? Yeah. Well, it was funny because eh? it was that you know, yeah, I always found uh, growing up it was very gracious. <laughs> you know, mm. like uh, I always um, hated that you know people would um, pronounce my name wrong. Mm. You know. Rangiwahia, you know, it's, it's a lovely sounding name, but I would get all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah I can know. imagine. I, got I can t- imagine some people just looking at it, frowning, flexing their eyebrows and giving oh. up and not even trying. <laughs> you probably missed out on a few phone calls Yeah, they just looked at your name like, nah. Yeah, yeah, so those sort of things. Um, and, and, and I suppose it was like, you know, not knowing sometimes where you, you, you fitted. You don't, you know, like, cause as kids growing up, you, you want to fit in as best you can, don't you? Yeah. So, you know, you pretend that you're something when you're not, you know, as opposed to that you know, you being true, authentic self, and you, you, you work that out as you get older. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, being a, being a, a Māori and uh, having a dad who's a Māori and, and then all my cousins and stuff, um, I was still perceived as a Pākehā, really, you know. It was an odd, odd thing, yeah. you know, because my mum was like, um, 
uh, you know, blonde, blue eyes, you know, so, yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm, I have to admit, like, I went through some of the stuff, especially for being well-spoken. Yeah. Like, one of the things that I really battled with when travelling overseas is, they're like, oh, you're Māori, or you're Kiwi, you don't sound, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, what do you, like, because I don't say cousy bro a lot, it'd, like, make me less Māori. Did you go through any of this when you were travelling, or was there little knowledge about NZ in that time? No, nah, because I could have that, I could have that, have that, you know, I guess that appearance, or I could, you know, fit in a different, you know, uh, the looks. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, obviously elements of Pakeha Māori that you can see clearly in me, but I kind of, that, 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 that blend. Well, one thing I was going to say, though, growing up, I, I found that um, I was I was good at sport, and I was bright, and, you know, I always was um, uh, successful at school and stuff, but... My um my Maori uh you know uh, classmates and stuff were quite tough on me. You know I got quite badly bullied at school. You know okay. yeah, and uh, that was a tough that was a tough time. Um and I, and I think if you look back, it was that um, whole you know I, I think in New Zealand the the whole fitting in in terms of your race and and uh, you know belonging and not belonging and you know being you know, where do you fit? Yeah, I think we've always been a little bit confused you know yeah. about that at times. Yeah, I did find that that a, that a big challenge. Was it quite was it quite violent? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I would I would leave school early because I was my bloody fear for my life, you know. And um, yeah, I was I was on, uh, like for it would have been a good three three months. I'd really I was scared, you know. Um, I'd be chased and you know would be attacked and stuff. But like my my sister got rocks thrown at her and you know sure. yeah, yeah that was quite full on. But then it's amazing, day eh? Like now, see those guys, and you know, I don't care about, it. I don't hold grudges because mm. they're not very healthy. Yeah, and that is normal people, you know. Like we all are, and so I get on fine with them, you know. And so that was a nice, nice, I guess, um, end to it anyway. Did it, Did you ever go through moments where you're like, man, like when you or we? Did you never ever hold a grudge on that stuff, or did you go nah. through moments where you for a little bit that you did, and then you had a change and you didn't? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. I, I was. Um, I was never a big one to hold hold grudges, you know. Um, I've always been, and I don't know why, but I've always just like, yeah, I'll get angry and I'll, you know, voice my opinion or I'll, you know, um, fire up, but then I'll let that pass very quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas some people they can um, hold grudges for you know days or weeks, you yeah. know. And because um, I find that tiring, you know, it's like, cause I'm a heavy person. It's like, yeah, okay, we we'll have that, and then it's like just going with life, you know, enjoy yeah. each other. Sweet, and then how did the, the opportunity to go overseas with cricket and stuff, how did that all come about? Yeah, well, my uncle, was, he, he actually uh, played for Holland, and he was um, over there, and when he came back, he said, oh, you should go and play, and um, and so I did, and it was great, it was a great experience, I, I, I did a couple of seasons there, and um, I really would have liked to have stayed, but I had issues with my work permit, but what that did, it just really opened my, my uh, eyes up to the, to the world, you know? Mm. Um, but it was interesting with sport, you know, because I, when I was at high school, I was offered a scholarship to the States to play at a, at a high school over there. Um, had the cricket, you know, I was first 15 and, and, um, and as well, play rugby. Um, but I look back now and I didn't have that, I, I doubted myself all the time, you know. Mm. And, um, and it's amazing, you know, in my own journey, um, you know, if I knew those things when I was younger, and I know hindsight makes us all a genius, <laughs> you know, but that, that, that mental side of things is, is so critical, isn't it, you know, um, and really it's the, it, it is the, the key to, you know, success and advancement and, you know, um, in your given field, you know, 
Um, so it was amazing. I, I was um, not very good at, uh, yeah, like I said earlier, uh, very good at talking about how I felt, you know. It's taken me a long time to, to do that. And I think it's kind of, uh, if you look at New Zealand and the problems that we have with uh, mental health, you know, and you, I'm sure you would have read this week in, um, in the media with what's happened with the suicides. Yeah, it was 685. Yeah, you yeah. know, a new record, um, uh, for, as long as the record's been kept. You know, and, and, and to me that's just a, you know, uh, an outcome of not, you know, talking about how we feel, you know. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's important that, that that part of me being a role model now and as a dad um, and uncle and all those sort of things is, is, is you know, talking about that stuff. Because I reckon that's so important, isn't it? You know, yeah. holding on to stuff is, is not healthy because it manifests in some other way, doesn't it? I think it's probably, I mean, I don't know if I call it tall poppy, but it's always been that sort of stigma of tough, blokey yeah. Yeah. sort of, well, I don't want to say farmer, but, you know, sort of rough, like, ah, no, we don't talk about that shit. And that's yeah. probably how we are, have ended up yeah. who we are, you know. There we are. And then there's definitely some of that tall poppy as well, you know. We're, um, uh, I think because we're a small country, we've always, you know, had to, um, you know, like uh, prove ourselves to, you know, Mother England and, and other big countries, yeah, you know. And... Uh, and see, celebrating each other's success, you know, we're uh, we're really tough on each other, you know. It's like, why, you know, like, to me, that's a big part of you know your personality. I, I well, that, that internal judgment I have of how other people treat, you know, other people's success or, or treat people, you know, mm. and because um, it's really again, it's that person. It's just a jealousy thing, isn't it? You know, I wish I had that, you know. Yeah. So the way I'm going to deal with that is 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 try to you know cut you down. We're definitely told as well, like. There's a very fine line between celebrating and being a cocky asshole. Yeah. So like we, or I know personally, my experience. I can I guess I can speak for myself, but I was definitely fearful of celebrating my wins. Yeah, and fear yeah. of being accused of not being humble. And, That's right. Because we pride ourselves on being humble. Yes. Yeah. Quite generally. Yeah. And then it's funny. I'd look at like when I travel going to Australia and. A lot of those Australians, we call them cocky and arrogant and stuff, but to me, they're just really proud of, yeah. of what they can do and who they are. Doesn't make them bad people. And I think you get that, I think we, I think we get that mix right, you know, of being humble but also celebrating our success. Because if you don't stop to, you know, celebrate that success, you, you're never actually, um, you know, uh, soaking all that stuff up and, and enjoying that moment, and then the, all of a sudden that moment's finished, and then you're on to the next one, you know? Yeah. Well, I think we're a little bit uh, guilty of that. We, we tend to, shift the goalposts, you know, and, um, and instead of enjoying all the moments, you know, we think that we've just got to, yeah. Keep on chasing. Yeah. Keep on chasing the carrot. Yeah. So you mentioned um, travelling really opened your mind up to stuff. Yep. How old were you when you shut off? Oh, so I, I first went when I was 18. Okay. Yeah. And in what way did that open you? Like, what did it challenge you? Like, what sort of challenge uh, thinking did you have that it challenged? And what sort of stuff were you not aware of that it helped you see? Yeah, so I went from Harwater to Amsterdam. You know? <laughs> well, okay, next yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, no, but it, it's true, you know, there's sex and drugs and, and um, you know, I grew up drinking 4% beer, but, you know, you, you go there, I was living in the red light district, you mm. know, and uh, it was awesome, you know, but it was, um, uh, it was an eye-opener because you have you know, around you, you know, all this temptation, all these things that you're, uh, uh, you know, uh, are new to you, and you're just trying to work it all out, you know. Um, but it's crazy, eh? like, I, I kind of felt very, um, very at home there. It was kind of nice to be, uh, I like being anonymous, you know. It was good, because I just lived with Dutch people, it was on my own. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, as an 18-year-old, God, you're green, you know. I was so green. It was before the internet, you know, there was mm. no 
mobile phones or uh, any things like that. I only called home a couple of times. I remember <laughs> I, I arrived in Amsterdam and I um, got onto a tram and I must have had like a neon sign above me saying, you know, um, foreigner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fresh meat, easy pickings. But I got pickpocketed. You know, the first. Um, day I was there, so lost all my money and had to go to the creek club and say, hey guys, can you lend me some money? But it was good, you know, you always get through stuff, don't you? You realise at the moment it's like the, the sky's falling, but yeah. you know, you, you work it out. And I think that was, that's what I learned is, is that um, having that, I guess, want to a better word, that resilience um, is, uh, is so good because it stands you in you know, such good stead for you know, the challenges that you, you face. For you know? sure. Yeah. I think as well, um, like you said, like a lot of people we grow up here, I, I can always tell the people that haven't travelled because they seem to bag out everything locally, like <laughs> yeah, quite heavily. They're like, oh, this place sucks, they don't do this. I'm like, man, have you been anywhere else? Like, we've got it pretty sweet. I know. Like, I, I, mean, I lived in Australia for five years and I, I missed winding down the window yeah. in the car because yeah. I lived in Perth. So every time you wind down the window, it's like someone had a hot air dry yeah. and I was blowing it in your face. Like, and they come home, I wonder, I've never been so grateful to wind down my window. I know, I know. and it's so true, isn't it? And I think um, that, that's what it teaches you, doesn't it? To, to be grateful for, you know, how lucky we are. I mean, what a wonderful city we live in, eh? You know, yeah. you probably, it's incredible. And um, the ease of doing things, like the, the logistics. Yeah, you know, I, I often will talk, you know, as you know, I do talk to, <laughs> talk to people. Um, but, uh, um, you know, just learning about those things, like being grateful, like you said, you know, winding down the window. It seems such a simple oh. thing, but... It's not. It, it, it actually is a lot more uh, impacting, you know, just to be able to appreciate those little things because it just, you know, the, all those little things add up to, you know, yeah. a big thing. And even, like, I remember so when we grew up as kids, we'd always take big seven, eight-hour drives over to where Dad's from on the east coast to Takaha. And so we'd be packing up the car with, you know, chips to make sure there's no stops. You might get one toilet stop if you're lucky. But Dad's like, nah, we're going hard just to get there. And I remember like stopping sometimes and just splashing some water on my face at like a spring or a waterfall that would pass on the way there. And once again, in Australia, you couldn't do that because yeah. you don't know what's going to be in there. Exactly. It's super stinking hot. Or even if you're, when I was in the UK for a bit of Los Angeles, you couldn't really do that same sort of stuff. So uh, we've got it pretty good here, I think. Yeah. Um, but also as well, you say so uni was after cricket? or uh, Yes, yeah, so I did a year in, in Holland and I went to uni. Um, then I... Um, yeah, I went back after that. Yeah. And what? How did that kind of all go down? Was it quite your token? You just went there and partied for a. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I definitely had fun every time. I've always uh, never been shy of having fun, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's important to me. I love being social, you know. I, I love meeting people, you know. It's uh, I'm always because I always find everyone's got a story, you know, and uh, there's some interesting characters out there, you know, and and I quite like. I've always been. I've always liked the edges of society as well, you know. I haven't, you know, stuck with the same group. I've always had a very group of friends because, you know, I, I'm fascinated on, you know, uh, what makes a person, you know, and, and, and the different um, challenges that they face, you know. Um, so, yeah, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, so I, I went there. Then I came back um, after another year and I, um, and I got into uh, um, hospitality. And it was a funny story because my, my wife, Cherie and I, we were down south, and I was, um, I was uh, at that time we lived in Wanaka, and I was, um, I was trying to write a book. Okay. I've always, you know, been creative, and I thought, yeah, I'll write a book, but it was terrible. <laughs> I did nothing with it. But I got a phone call from my, um, my uh, um, brother-in-law at the time, and uh, he said, oh, he said, you, you, got, you got us to do nothing. You want to come up and uh, run an alpine in? I was like, wow, this sounds good. I said to my wife, 
you know, before the internet. An alpine in, that'd be cool, sort of, you know, close to the ski fields, you know, it'd be cool. We were in our early 20s, you know, about 24, 25, and um, he said, well, come up and do it. And it wasn't bloody Tobinanui, it was the bloody, uh, it, was, <laughs> it was the pub there. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was a tough pub, and, you know, it was a mongrel mob, um, you know, would drink there, and uh, it was the old classic, you know, pub, then it had the nightclub, the uh, the food and the accommodation upstairs, so we ended up running that, and uh, from that got into hospitality. Oh, okay. Yeah, and did that for the next, oh, probably six years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, six or seven years, and um, because we didn't have any money at that stage, we um, uh, we went from from there to uh, Waipukuro, mm-hmm. um, where it was another gang hotel, another gang influence, um, Mungo Bob Hotel. And so it was really cool because I mean, even though sometimes I thought I was going to you know get killed because you know it's like a Saturday afternoon you've got uh, you know a whole lot of prospectors arrive at your pub you mm. know and uh, or a whole lot of patched up members and you get the phone call to come and tell them to leave it's a big test you know because yeah, yeah. if you're weak in front of your public bar you know they're going to walk all over you so you've got to stand your ground and uh, yeah it's a lot of skill set you know even though. I was smoking back then, you'd, you'd smoke sort of six cigarettes on the way down and you know, you'd, you'd want to put on a, a on an adult nappy because you'd be <laughs> shitting yourself. And, but you would like, um, yeah, it was it was good. It was good and um, a test, you know. And it, and it was interesting, you know, like, I, I spent, um, you know, Christmas, we were invited to the Muggle Mob, um, you know, the guys that we, we knew well for Christmas and we went there for Christmas, you know, and uh, and, and had those lots of um, interesting interactions with um, our public bar, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. So what are some things, I'm always interested to know, what are some things that you, um, I guess you know about gangs, because you had a very yeah. first-hand experience. What, what are some of the things about them do you think that people misunderstand about them? Yeah, I, mean, I was lucky too, because Dan used to, he had a screen printing business, and he used to print all the black power patches. You know? <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. Dan Howder. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dan So, yeah, we always grew up, you know, I played cricket with, uh, you know, some of the uh, Mungle guys. Um, Dennis Luke, you know, knew Dennis really well. Mm-hmm. Played cricket with him, and, uh, and yeah. So in terms of the games, though, what I think it's 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 like anything, you know. It's it's you know if you walk down the street, and you see like um, a shop window. Mm-hmm. You know, you often judge that um, uh, that shop window. You know, that shop by what it looks like in the you know in the window. Yeah, and it might look amazing, you know, and stuff. Or another one might look really run down. But you open up either of those shops and go inside, and it's a totally different story, you mm-hmm. know. So I think the first thing is that there is always um, that the read is, is wrong, you know. My understanding of, of having spent you know a lot of time with gangs is that uh, they're just people like you and I trying to fit in, you know, and uh, and do well. And, and those ties are often back. To, they come around from you know it's a sense of belonging, isn't it? Mm. You know, or you know someone's really insecure and they want something to you know make them feel more than who they are. You know, so they gravitate to the, the gangs. But yeah, you know, I, I I found that um, my dealings with them were really good, you know. And if you treated each other with, you know, there was mutual respect, you know, it was it was it was fine, you yeah. know. And for us, we um we always said, you know, there's no patches in here, but you can drink in here. Um, but there's no patches, and that was yeah, it was good. We had to understand that it worked, you know. So a lot of it's just about finding <laughs> that that whānau, eh? A lot of them, like yeah. I've had conversations with different gang members, different a lot of dudes I used to play league with are now involved, and yeah. or catch up sometimes, or I'll bump into them and I'll have a full on yarn about things. Well, I'm just a curious mind. It sounds yeah. like you are too. Not not too afraid to ask questions that other people, like my brother, who you know, he he'll stand next to me and I ask some of these things. And he's like, bro, 
that's pretty hard out there. Yeah, the bulls to ask that. Yeah, I was like, well, it's interesting to know. I, like, know. I know. I'm not trying to catch them out. I just want to know. Like, and, and like one of um, our, our staff that we employed in uh, Wapura, he, um, he did 20, 20 years in uh, Purimurima, and um, he uh, was at, we offered him our first job you know, back then, and it was before really employment contracts were in, and uh, our barman, I said to him, hey look, we'll, we'll take him on, but if he, you know, if he mucks up, you both lose your jobs, you mm. couldn't even do that these days, but he was awesome, because he could read a crowd, you know, and uh, he knew who the, the bad ones were, just from, you know, yeah. the time with, with people who were naughty, you know, yeah. and um, that was great, and then from that, he went and got a job at driving trucks, you know, and he was away, and it was so cool, you know, like to... To be able to do that because often we write people off you know because they don't fit our you know our particular um way that we want things to look or feel or be you know and um you know <laughs> me and my wife have always we've always been uh, uh, a champion for the um the you know people who've had a rough start you know or have had a, a tough you know um things happen in their life you know we've for always, lack of a better term you've, you've always prided yourselves in, in giving someone a bonus yeah, sort of thing like yeah, not to degrade anyone going no, through that but no yeah, no that, no that's kind of yeah because I always think I'm always trying to put myself in that, their shoes you know oh I would want someone to help me you know so, uh, so that was cool I, I look back at those times as really um, it's really cool because you know when you're when you're out there and you're I guess you know sharing a message or you're, you're working with people, it's great to have a broad, you know, understanding. You're very similar to me in the fact that, you know, you're comfortable talking with, um, whether it was a, a rap star or a, or a gang member or, a, you know, a, clerk, a politician a politician or yeah. someone in the church or whatever it may be, you know. Um, I, 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 like you. I like asking those questions. You know, I'm, my wife's the same as well, you know. It's amazing what people will tell me within a short space of time mm. because... You know, you, you have that sort of, I guess, that trust, you know, that you can you can be warm and genuine, you know. Mm. Well, that's the thing, I guess, I just try and, I'm, I'm asking out of curiosity, say, or an education standpoint, yeah. I'm not trying to judge. No. I think a lot of people can tell that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because there's a big fear of judgment in the world, isn't there? I know, yeah. Oh, we're always, I mean, I always spent more, <laughs> we spent more, more time talking to each other than about each other. You would solve heaps of problems, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, in the sure. world. Hey. It's, I mean, that's what this whole thing, the podcast was designed off. Like, it's all about empathy and understanding. Like, yeah. I truly believe that if we all just understood each other a bit better, it'll help bring down a lot of those barriers. Hell yeah. When you think about mental health in New Zealand, I mean, the, one of the biggest problems is, is the stigma. You know, like, we talked about the staunch, you know, harden up, um, you know, just to get up with it, uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, that's just a, you know, a... Um, uh, I guess a follow-on from from our, our upbringing, isn't it? As New Zealand as a country, um, and uh, we know that it hasn't been a good result, has it? No. You know? So yeah, I think that it will get the stigma down, and um, and then I reckon get mental health to be as normal as you know going to the doctor about the flu. Well, we're doing well, you know. Is there any examples of any other countries that you know of that do that sort of thing? Um, they have kind of I guess destigmatized it and. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, a lot of those Scandinavian countries seem to do it pretty well, you know, like, um, I mean, they're cooped up inside a lot of the times it's real cold, you know, mm. so they really value nature, you know, and... Um, there's this is a lesson there, yeah. like itself. I know, I know, you know, you, you think about, uh, you know, nature has some of the answers, doesn't it, you know, like just to go and have a surf, we're lucky, aren't we, or go walk in the park, you know. Well, we can snowboard and surf on the same day, there's not many places in the world where you can do that. No, that's right. But yeah, I think a few of those Scandinavian countries have, have got it um, going well. But interestingly, if you look at um, uh, like mental health, depression, anxiety, suicide, 
um, you know, poorer, underdeveloped countries have a lot less than uh, you know, developed countries like New Zealand. And if you think about you know the poorer countries, generally they they, they have a subsistence living, you know, so they live off nature. Yep. Um, their families and the communities are, are very tight knit. You know, they haven't all sort of aren't fragmented. You know, your family, my family, you know, we live in they live in different countries apart of New Zealand. You know, so they're together. Um, there isn't a huge amount of material uh, possessions that they own. They don't have any debt. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it's a lot simpler life. But you look at. Uh, you know, our sort of countries, you know, success, unfortunately, in uh, New Zealand is looked upon as, you know, what you have or what you do, you know, your status, you know, what positions you have. And that's mm. what a lot of people judge you by, isn't it? Oh, they must be doing so well because, you know, they're driving a flash car and they live in a nice house. But, you know, they might be debted up to the eyeballs. The car might be on tick, yeah. you know. Um, at home is, is a disaster, disaster because mum and dad don't even like each other, you know. And, uh, you know, they're working, putting all this pressure on themselves to have their, their overseas holiday once a year, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff, to me, it just seems so wrong, doesn't it? You know, mm. that, that's what we, we hold up as uh, something to aspire to, you know. And uh, you think about, you know, young people coming through, I, I really feel for them because there's that whole pressure on, you've got to have a great job, you know, and, uh, and you then you've got to buy a house, you know, it's like, well... Um, all of a sudden they've, they've got debt from probably going to university and then they've got to try and save money to buy a house, you know, and they're always living, you know, in fear that they're not um, successful. It's just, it's just wrong, unfortunately, you know. I think a lot of it gets lost too. People forget, like we, you know, you mentioned young people and I guess upcoming generations, like, oh, they don't do this, they don't do that, or they're on social media, they're always on their phones. I think it gets lost in translation to a lot of the time that we raised them, or know. you know? It's, and, and you know, you know, over over the course of time, every older generation has said the same thing about the next generation. Yeah. We're no different to what they were doing thousands of years ago. They would have been going thousands of years ago. Oh, they're bloody hopeless, you know. Look at them, you know. Can't do this, can't do that. Yeah. But the truth is, is that you know the younger generations will be fine. You know, <laughs> they'll do really, really well. I think that just at the moment, there's a massive challenge, isn't there, around you know this whole uh, social media, how does that fit in, you know, mm-hmm. technology and, and uh, artificial intelligence and all those sort of challenges into the future. You know, this is all very new, so we're just still trying to work it out, aren't we, you know? So you mentioned, you know, um, I guess the, the measuring stick of success that people measured off, so, you know, what car they drive and all that sort of thing. You've got absolute power here, hypothetical situation. Yeah. What other things do you think we should be valuing people for? Oh, I think you click your fingers and, and automatically the whole world goes by what you're about to say. Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing is that you can look into the mirror and you like the person, you know, that's, um, that's looking back. Because often, you know, we uh, look at other people and we think, oh my goodness, they're so beautiful. But some of the ugliest people that I've ever met have been the best looking people in the room. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they're shallow. Yeah. You know, and, um, and so I, I think um, if you look at, you know, uh, from an Eastern or West, Western, Western perspective, you know, from an Eastern perspective, you know, there's a whole, um, uh, I guess, school of thought around find inner peace, you know, so have that internal journey, be comfortable with who you are, and then everything will fall into place. Whereas from the West, we think like, um, you know, we have to do this, achieve this, be this, and then we'll be happy. You yeah. know, then everything Almost will be... like, this is the goal, yeah. do anything you can to get there. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and so we, we're battling the way, you know, and trying to, to achieve these things, and the whole way we, we haven't had that inner peace. We think we're going to get there. It's like a destination. 
but the mistake we make is that you know life is a journey you know why can't we enjoy the simple things and you know and have fun doing the monotony because we've all got monotony to do haven't we you yeah. know we've got to clean the toilet to you know whatever do the do the grocery shopping so I, I think yeah for, for me it's that um it's really that inner journey i think if we we could all be comfortable with who we are you know um and understand our strengths and weaknesses because I think if you can, you know what you're strong at, and, and that's great. But you also have to know what you're weak at, you know, mm. and um, and have, have that clear understanding. And then the other thing I, I think is really really important is is relationships. You know, um, there's a huge uh, issue in the world around loneliness. You know, we're more connected than we've ever been in in, in our history. Yep. You know, uh, but we're more alone than we've ever been in our history. It's, it's one of the, the, the big issues facing the World Health Organization is loneliness. 2030, um, the World Health Organization says the number one illness threatening the world will be depression. So, so relationships, I, I think, are, are really, really important because um, you are really a, a, um, who you surround yourself with, aren't you? You know, like um, your family has a big impact, but so do you, the people close to you, you know? So, um, yep, uh, being comfortable with who you are and then uh, being able to, uh, uh, you know, live a true, um, authentic life, you know? Um, not be afraid of what people think of you, you know? Because that is a big problem is um, we uh, are often battling to you know, fit in, you know, we're trying to say, please our parents or keep up with our peers or we're doing things motivated not for who we truly think we should be, you know, but what we, we think society, you know, uh, wants us to be. So, yeah, I, I, I know that, okay, and you could talk on that subject forever, couldn't you? But I, I really do think that um, it, it's uh, getting comfortable with who you are, finding that inner peace, and then everything else will just take care of itself, you know? So, um, yeah, that's what I would encourage. Cool. So we'll dive more into that shortly, but I kind of want to flick back a little bit. You mentioned before that you enjoy hanging out on, quote unquote, the, the fringes of society. Yeah, yeah. Can you elaborate what you mean by that and yeah. I guess why? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've always, you know, like, um, uh, between things, and I've, I've, I've worked in forestry, you know, I've worked at the freezing works, you know, I've, I've worked on the back of the rubbish truck, you know. Mm. And um, and I've really enjoyed those environments. You know, I've worked as a as you know a painter, as a handyman. You know, and um, and and I've, and I've loved that because, for example, you know, like um, some of the people I worked with in, in forestry. You know, they um, did time in prison. You know, and, and I always want to know how did they end up there. You know, because they ended up there because the people that I knew and I spent hours driving with. You know, one particular friend. He was awesome. We had great conversations. He was very. Um, really clever, clever guy. But you know, I, I just like to know how did you end up getting into prison? You know, and and often when you're young, you're making bad decisions. You know, because you're a bit lost and you had an alcohol and drugs and you know some bad you know people that you get around you. And, and some of it's a lot simpler, like just wrong place, wrong time, totally, out with the wrong dude. Totally, it, yeah. And sometimes it is luck, isn't it? You know, you just were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But you know, for for me, it makes me. Uh, it just made me a better person. You know, because. Um, I'm really big on, on empathy, you know, like uh, uh, I, I don't want to go around judging everyone because, uh, you know, if, if you could imagine, you know, um, I don't know, your classroom or a, or, a, or a workplace and if everyone threw their, their problems and challenges in, in, the, in the room into the middle, you might freak out because what other people are going through is nothing compared to what you're going through. Mm. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't you mean that your issue isn't important. It just opens your eyes to you know what is really going on and uh, how 
you know, grateful you should be for what you have or um, how you should, uh, you know, look to, well, for me, you know, I, I really like helping people, you know, and I can only help people if I know more about people. So, you know, I've, I've had, uh, my wife and I, so we had uh, John Key um, come to our home for lunch I was, um, and, um, and Bill English. And the reason I say that is that it's just, you know, in between, you know, the Prime Minister and, and someone who's done, you know, 20 years in jail, and uh, everyone in between, you learn a lot about people, you know. Yeah. Um, and those conversations that, that you get to, to have um, uh, help um, give you a, a better understanding. Because I, I, I personally, I feel very sorry for, for people that they miss out on so much because they never ever gravitate from the circle that, you know, they've chosen to, to be in. Mm. And um, there's, nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't... But I just feel sorry for them because there's so much richness out there that you can tap into, you know, for good and bad, you know. Would it be fair to say that you're, you're, you're a bit of an uncomfort junkie? Yeah. You love getting uncomfortable and, and yeah. shaking yourself up? Yeah, I do, I do. And, and I, um, uh, I guess um, I do it because not through any great, um, I mean, any great plan, I'm just curious, you know. I'm mm. just a curious, curious person. And I, and I suppose that's why it sort of led on to the work that I that I do in, in art and, and, and sharing the messages that I do. That's helped me, you know, formulate, you know, what I consider to be important for everyone, you know. Do you think there's any sort of, I've never asked this question before, I've just thought of it now, so I'm trying to think how to word it properly. Is there any correlation, do you think, between how many screw-ups a person has made and how much empathy they have? Um, I think so. Yeah. Oh, look, some people are, are, are born narcissists, you know, and they, you know, will make lots of mistakes and don't care, you know. Yeah. That's unfortunately just the way that they're wired up. But yeah, I think so. I, I, I've made, you know, and I think it's important to to say that. I, I always say that to to younger, um, you know, um, groups that I talk to, is that I mean, I've made so many mistakes. I've failed so many times, and I actually think that's what's made me successful. When it certainly made me empathetic, you know, because. Um, if you uh, if you don't put yourself out there, you know you only ever judge people. Then, um, yeah, I, I don't think you're uh, really um, you know getting the the big picture. I think if you truly learn the lesson as well that your shit stinks just like everyone else's, <laughs> you kind of empathise with other people yep. who shit stinks too, right? Yeah. Because and like you might say to yourself, I know we're all the same, or I know that everyone's got their shit, and I know a lot of people that say that. But if you actually run through the ring and get hammered, you, that, I think that actually makes you go, okay, like, everyone, like I'm nothing special. Everyone's got their shit. Yeah. Is that- oh, yeah, and I think failing was the saviour for me. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, headstrong. Mm. And, um, you know, the universe is screaming at me saying, you know, Paul, uh, you're on the wrong path, you know. Do we have to keep reminding you, you know? And, and, and uh you know, I would ignore those, you know, gentle nudges and those signs, you know, I didn't interpret them because, you know, I didn't have my head and heart and gut in the right sort of uh, alignment. But, um, yeah, it saved me, you know, failure, ha- having a big fail, it saved, saved my life, really, mm. you know, um, and, and, and put me on the right path, you know, to like where I could really fulfil my potential because I certainly wasn't doing it. You know, with what you were doing, with what I was doing. So let's get into it because we haven't really touched on that, which is quite funny because we've been sidetracked by all sorts. And now I know there's going to be some people listening going, Well, who the hell is this guy to tell us who to look after ourselves? So after uni and and all that sort of stuff, you were working in, was it insurance? Yep. So so I um, I, I 
went into insurance and um, I did that for a, for a few years and then I got shoulder tapped to um, join a company uh, that was in a, in a, uh, was relatively new uh, but was in a massive growth phase and that was um, HRV and I went and worked there um, for you know, a couple of years then I, I uh, bought into the, uh, the company um, uh, from a local perspective from Taramaki Wanganui area um, and, uh, and really fast forwarding um, to that once we uh, went through that shareholding change a number of things you know changed and happened but long story short that, that business went bust so um, so talk about the build up to that though. I remember you want you to skip past yeah, yeah. that like because I know there's a lot of people that are feeling all sorts of pressures and stuff yeah. now probably like listening yeah. right now that you felt at that time so take us through that what were some of the things that led up to the bust and what were some things that you kind of look at in hindsight and go Shit, this was maybe coming from a mile away. So you've mentioned like alignment and things a couple yeah. times and nudges from the universe. Yeah. I guess that all plays into it. Yeah, the big thing was I was really doing it for the wrong reasons. I thought, hey, um, I'll, I'll get the business and uh, I'll um, obviously add value to it and I'll sell it. And then I'll go do my creative stuff. Okay. Yep, I wanted to always do the creative stuff, my art. Um, and so I was doing it for the wrong reasons, you know, and, um, and I guess my heart wasn't really in it. And because of that, you know, I made a lot of bad decisions. You know, I didn't, I didn't get um, outside counsel. You know, didn't get that advice and that mentor. Um, I was, um, yeah, I guess had a lot of. Um, I was really struggling with my ego. You know, that mm. was it. Was always I think back um, now, and I had I had a sense of entitlement because I was naturally good at most stuff. You know, why shouldn't I have a successful business? I was going to ask if it was like. If it was blind optimism, or if it, it was, was or yeah. if it was cockiness, yeah, like. it was it was blind optimism, oh, yeah. and um, but it was a sense of entitlement, you know, um, and uh, I should be at this particular stage of my life, you know, mm. uh, so so that was that was really good because when it all fell over, it was um, obviously a hugely stressful time, I think because you know you feel embarrassed, you know that uh, you're you're a failure, but in reality, if you put that to one side, you know. Um, it was great because you know I lost the stuff. I didn't have the, the money. Didn't have uh, you know any of the possessions. All that you know goes, um, and so you 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 left with with none of the none of that stuff. But if you look at it, it's actually you know I still had my health. My health was great. I had great relationships, and I had a really good. Um, uh, I always had a good credibility, you know, because I was honest. <laughs> like, is this hindsight speaking? Yeah. Or did you know this at the time? No, when, when I sort of sat down, you know, and and, and I was like. You know, I've got these all these good things happening. I'm already successful, you know, in in many things. So, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. But it was really really cool because you know I spoke before about the universe it was, it was saying Paul, you're on the wrong path. Mm. With the support of my wife, she went back teaching, and um, I uh, decided to follow my art, you know, and um, yeah, it was just really the surreal moment. So um, she said, "Oh, you need to go talk to someone," you know, because. Sort of held on to a lot of stuff, and I was sharing things, but not everything, you know. And um, and I went and talked to this this woman, and she was awesome. I lay down there, and she rubbed my feet, and I talked to her. That's real cool. Oh, I mean, you talked yeah, to her. Yeah, yeah, really cool. And I, and I came came home and uh, created uh, my mutual warrant of fitness. You know, for listeners, it's a piece of art, and it's got forty five messages on it. And we'll uh, go through a couple of those yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's uh, um, it was like the universe was shining a light on saying, here, this is what you're meant to be doing, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, since then, which I'm sure we'll talk about, it's been an amazing ride, you know? And it's really cool to share uh, that, 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 um, uh, that story, you know, of failure and, and doing things for the wrong reason and then, you know, doing things for the right 
you know, reasons and having, you know, that alignment of, of what I believe in, you know, what I'm passionate about um, and that feeling, you know, and actually listening to my, my, my feelings and emotions and understanding those things and then having success, you know. It's like, wow, you know, it was very cool. Tell me how you felt or can you kind of remember when that blind optimism dried up? When you kind of hit that one, you're like, fuck, actually, this is oh, good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's obviously when, you know, the door, the locks come at the door, you know, and it's the bank, um, and it's the IRD. I mean, that's that's the when the blind optimism, you know, is uh, you know it's over, um, and those meetings that you have that are very serious, you know, with stakeholders and staff and all those sort of things. Um, yeah, and you can't you can't go on blind anymore because the reality is is that you can't afford to, you know. Mm. So uh, yeah, I mean that's a hugely stressful thing, and, and for anyone out there who was in that situation, I feel for you, you know, because. You, you feel like, um, you know, there is, what's next, you know? Um, it, it's, a, it's a hard thing, but what I did learn, though, is, is on, the other, on the other side of um, failure and uh, things going wrong is a new opportunity, you know? And, and re- in reality, you know, you can always, you know, that's the thing, great thing about being a human is you can, you can decide to change your thinking, um, you know, from that moment and, you know, change forever. Mm. It's quite cool. So, elaborate on that a little bit. Just, I didn't realise you had staff. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, yeah we so had those tough conversations. Yeah, yes, you had staff and you had contractors, you know, so you have a lot of people who are relying on you. So, the most important thing for me was making sure that they were okay, you know, and uh, making that transition as, as best you could. So, uh, that was good. I mean, just to get that done and uh, and to know that, um, you know, whilst you, uh, you couldn't, you know, pay the the uh, the bank and the IRD everyone else was taken care of you mm. know and uh, yeah and it, look there's no bloody um, right recipe to follow there's no one gives you a manual say hey you know follow what is it the same as life yeah, yeah, yeah. or having a baby you know it's like you gotta work stuff out as you go along you know um, so you know, do it as best best we can but in those moments you realise it's so important to have people in your life isn't it you know. To, uh, to help you. <laughs> Did you notice anything change like socially with friends and stuff like that? Because I've had people guests come on the podcast yep. and they've lost their business and then all of a sudden they're not getting invited to certain places and stuff like that. Did any of that happen to you? Or? No, not really with me. I think naturally if you're associated with people who are in around you, you work, that sort of disappears and changes, you know. Um, but I think that's always in life, isn't it? You have your core and then the peripheral always changes. So yeah, yeah there were changes, but, but pretty much everything else is the same. Like I said, you know, I'd always treated people well and was honest in and, and, and my dealings and um, I had really strong relationships. So, you know, people, people understand, you know. And you think at the time that everyone's, you know, looking at you, mm. but they're not. <laughs> they've got their shit going on as well, you know. And, it, and, it, and in time it passes and then, you know, it, no one even remembers about that stuff, you know. Um, but I'm not afraid to bring it up. So I think it's important... Um, and, it, and I find my my line of um, you know work is uh, is that, that authenticity is so important. You know, people relate more to you. You can ex- share a bit of yourself, you know. Um, so that's 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 big. And that's probably why I guess what we've talked about throughout the entire thing is we get away from probably asking those questions or having those tough comments because we we just we are authentic. We're yeah, just trying to totally like. We're just interested and curious. Yeah. There's nothing to do with the judgment or stuff like, hey man, I'm interested to know. Yeah. I like a good story. Yeah, I know. And like, a, I'm no authority on anything, you know, or I don't have, I don't have the answers for everyone, you know, mm. but hey, I'll, I'll tell you what I think. Yeah. yeah. So then you already got your feet rubbed. Yeah. What happened after that? Yeah, so I, I came home and I, I painted a mental war of fitness and it pretty much happened in a day, you know, and uh, 
Yeah. From there. Was that a release? Do you oh, think, from yeah, what it was. Gone? It was. It was just like, it was. I remember coming home and crying, you know, just crying and crying and crying. And then after that, you know, I would start crying, but have, I would cry for joy, you know, mm. because like, oh, I don't have to go to that place of work that I hated, and I have to do those things that I hated. And I used to cry just for joy. And it was, you know, I often get hay fever, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't mind, um, you know, crying. Is that different to, or has that been consistent? Or has uh, that happened kind no, of... No, I, I, I definitely held things in a lot more, yeah. you know, but now, you know, I'm... I'm I don't know whether to call it an epiphany or the moment yeah. or whatever. It was, it was, it was such a huge. I'm using the foot, the foot rub. I'm, I'm thinking before foot rub and after foot yeah. rub. Yeah, well, it, it kind of was, and um, uh, and it was that letting go of all that stuff that you held in there, you know. Mm. And it's dangerous, you know. Like I, I look at it now as stress is like drinking poison. No one would drink poison, you know. But we're happy for it to live in our bodies, you know. And you talk to to people who you know, have suffered an illness or something, often they relate it back to stress, you know. Yeah. So, um, so, so that was great. And, and, and then, oh, sorry. I know, I was going to say, let's, let's save some people a bit of money then. What what sort of discussions took place or what happened during that session while you were getting your foot rub? What sort of questions were asked? What sort of epiphanies did yeah. you have? Because when you were talking about the the joyful laughter, um, I'm picturing a bit of a manic point. Like you are kind of cracking up at... A couple of things like what and tell me if i'm wrong but one is like how could i've been so silly yeah like doing this shit that i didn't want to be doing but persisting in it for so long and you're kind of just cracking up and crying about it obviously that's probably not 100 accurate but there's probably a bit of that in there yeah look i just fought i fought fought um for so long to suppress who you know i really was you know mm-hmm. i really struggled with with, with fitting in and, and also you know i'd suffer as, as a young person some trauma and yeah when i talk about trauma you know, it's the the classic. It's it's mental abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse, and um, you know it's neglect. You know, it's like someone dying young or you know from a, a horrific injury or, or illness. You know, so I had some trauma, and I kind of dealt with it. You know, but not um, fully. So that kind of came out as well, and I I sort of had, had had dealt with with that, but I think. That was that was okay, but I think it was more the fact that I, I was really suppressing. I was worried about how I I wanted to be someone. I knew I, there was something in me. I, I thought that I had value to offer, you know, the world, and and, and that was the hardest thing for me. Is is what does that look like? How does that work? You know. Mm. So I think for for that foot rub and that moment in time, it was just about trying to say, um, will I be okay? You know. Um, and my the advice I was given is like yeah well just you have to be yourself you know, and I look at it now like your heart right and I you know I spoke the other day I look at it in your heart and I call it the truth vault you know it's like a bank vault and if you opened up that 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 vault that door and you went inside it's all the things that you would do if no one was to judge you you know so I went in there and decided that I'm going to do these things but also in there is all those things that you hold dear your values and your memories and what's important to you you know. So I brought those out and just brought them to life, you know. And uh, and, and the thing I think the motivate the big thing for me is often we uh, want to do things because um, you know we, we want to uh, know that we'll have money to pay the bills. Now I understand that you know, but I think if we do it for the wrong reasons, like just to get money, then we're going to fail again. You know we have to do it because it means so much to us. And if that means that you're not going to have much money, then so be it. But generally, in my experience with, with talking and, and working with people, and in my own experience, all the stuff follows. The money follows mm. you once you're doing what you know you need to be doing. You know, 
It's a big lesson for me to learn that earning 38k doing something I love is better than doing 75k, having 75k doing something I hate. Oh, I used to 100%. be a real bad money chaser. Yeah. It was most of my time in Australia. I was just chasing paper and I was fucking earning awesome money, but I felt like shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I come home like the last year. I've, like, so I've always <coughs> had a job since I was like 14, 15. And so I've been going hard. I've owned businesses and stuff. The last year I've worked, I think like, 22 hours a week and it's been pretty minimal but I've probably the happiest I've been yeah. in a long time it's allowed for a lot of self-improvement oh look and I think you know what you just said is, is so important isn't it that that self-improvement you know because if you if you're improving yourself and you're um you know working towards um knowing yourself and and uh, and what's really truly important for you I don't think you know like we just said all the good stuff's going to follow after that you know yeah. Cool. So you've gone through the, the quote unquote therapy, um, realized, you know, um, how to unlock your vault yep. and started letting things out. And part of letting those things out was um, creating this warrant of fitness that you came home and did. So talk us about how this came to life and some of the things involved. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I created this thing. Well, so it really was a guide for, my, um, for me as a, as a person, how I wanted to live my life. And um, so I had it hanging on the wall. People come around and go, that's pretty cool. So I thought, well, I might start selling that. Mm. And so I started selling the printer in New Zealand, and then it's, they started to trickle overseas. And, and then on the back of that, I was like, well, I should really start talking about this, you know? Because in the interim, I was also painting, you know, like, uh, so uh, as an artist, um, I could paint and, and sell that work, you know, so that helped with that, that cash flow and stuff. Um, but I, I saw a real opportunity with, um, with the work that I was doing. And, and you know what it's like, you sort of don't know where to... Um, what it's going to end up looking like, but mm. I think the secret is really just the start, you know. So I went, st- I just went and talked to anyone who would listen. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be at uh, a Weight Watchers group. I'd be talking to a senior citizens group, a Rotary group, all, all these different, you know, organisations. Because you know, I, I I couldn't charge for that yet because I wanted to, you know, hone yeah. my, my scar, uh, my, my craft, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, so earn your cred. Yeah, 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 true. You know, you've got to have that street cred, and um, and then all of a sudden, someone um you know, asked how much it would be to, you know, go and talk to them because I heard that I, you know, was good at speaking. And so it just sort of started to snowball from there. So I started to charge for my work. And um, and then, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, that's what I do as a career. You know, I, I'm very fortunate to uh, to go and talk to all number of um, organisations, mm-hmm. you know, schools, um, businesses, and um, all around the country and and then on the back of that, you know, I've developed a, a new work called I'm So Worth It, A Guide to Being Awesome, which is uh, for a younger audience, you know. And um, it's really exciting, you know, like how things evolve, you know, like these two artworks are about to be, you know, uh, commissioned as, as life-size uh, massive uh, artworks down on the CBD here in New Plymouth. And, and that's really cool that your work's out there um, helping people, you know. And, and, you know, I talked about breaking down those mental sticks the stigma around mental health it's all part of that you know journey for me you know um, I don't know if, if uh, um, I've got all the answers I certainly haven't but I'm doing something you know yeah, I'm yeah. out there and uh, yeah so I'm what's the go. difference between the two boards yeah so the, well, the, this one's more of an I guess an, an, an adult one or a general one and then um, I, I realised that it was a real opportunity for um, getting that message out to younger younger people because you know there's a lot of pressure today's society you know yep. so this one's a little bit more focused um if you look at some of the things it's like you know um and this is applicable to adults as well but uh, it's like if you can't say it to someone's face you know don't say it online you know 
Um, things like you don't have to have it all figured out to move forward. That's a big thing for young people. They're always worried about oh, what am I going to do next, you know. Um, so, so those sort of things are really, really important. Um, anger will pass, you know, but what you say or do in that moment can last forever. You know, those things are, are really important. And then, um, you know, it's, it's stuff like uh, uh, get comfortable with failure. It's an important part of life, you know. Um, so if I learned those sort of things when I was younger, I think those things would have helped me. It wouldn't necessarily change the direction I took. But some of the things that I'm sharing now with the younger audience, I wish someone had told me earlier. And that's really, really cool because I've just completed writing a, a journal, you know, for, um, for a young audience. And uh, it's at year 11, so that 15 to, to, to year 13, 18, so year 15, uh, age 15 to, to 18, age group that I've written the journal for. And, and next year that, that goes out to the, to the public, you know. So, um, so it's going to be given out in all the schools? Or? Yeah, so I'm, I'm working on a private uh, partnership, so they're getting sponsorship to uh, get those, um, those journals into schools. So next year in Taranaki is the is the goal to get three thousand journals to the you know um, year eleven to year thirteen um, group, and um, as part of that um, is then connecting with the schools to go in and, and talking to the, that group about what I'm trying to achieve. You know why why is it important to, to share how you feel? Why is it important to, to get out? You know um, those things that are troubling you. You know. Um, because you want it to be also a healing process, but inspirational, you know, because if you can, if you can, you know, use your time really well and, and, and deal with stresses in your life quickly, you can put more energy into what's important to you, you know? Yeah. And then, then also on the back of that is, uh, is having part of, part of that, that, I guess, overall goal is, is each week I'll be available to, um, as a live, you know, um, as a live feed, uh, all those students can type in their messages and I can answer those, you know. So it's trying to really, really connect them up. So give them something educational, let them contribute to it from a journal perspective, but keep it alive, you know. So uh, talk to the schools, you know, get the buy-in and then get, you know, hopefully the students contributing, you know, with their questions that I can answer or, or at the very least push them to a, you know, someone who, who can answer them for them. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. And when you kind of look at where you are now in comparison to, to where you were, is it quite funny to look at? Oh, it is. <laughs> it's a massive change, you know. I mean, it's always, there's certain, there's certain things that have always drawn me, um, uh, and that's people, you know, um, and helping, helping people. Um, that's good, but, oh, so different. I just feel, I just feel, I just feel alive, you know. Liberated. I, I don't feel liberated. <laughs> but, but I find it's, Everything's easier, you know. It's I don't I don't hold on to shit that's not important, you know. I don't I don't hold grudges, and I don't you know. I find. Do you think the challenges are probably the same? It's just your perspective. Totally, a bit different? totally, absolutely, and and that's I think the uh, exciting thing is um, is that you can share that. You know, you can, you know, share that someone is that I was here and I'm here now. I don't know what your journey looks like, but I don't think it's it's too different in the fact that you know. You, you get what you think, you know, and uh, if your thinking's um, aligned with your values, then you're probably going to do it right, you know. So, uh, and, but I think it's also, we, 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 we're great at um, overcomplicating things, aren't we, in mm. <laughs> today's society? And say life's simple, people complicate it. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's interesting, you know, um, common sense isn't that common, <laughs> you know. Oh, but, uh, so yeah, it's trying to break things down into manageable steps, isn't it? You know, it's like, right. Because um, I often will get a big bit of paper and I'll write down me in the middle and then I'll go relationships, you know, physical health, 
uh, mental health, uh, hobbies, finances, all those different things that we have in our life. And I'll just start to see where my energy flows to. It's quite good to a good exercise because you can go, oh my God, I spend all my time over here, you know. I just need to borrow a bit of that time mood over here, you know. And it's interesting, like, I learned to, to, to meditate. Um, and I was I, gonna ask you about this, I'm yeah. glad you bring it up. And I learned to meditate, and um, it's the most important, you know, for me it's only like five minutes of my day. It's the most important minutes of my whole day, you know. Because <laughs> I don't have to think about anything for a start, which is nice. Mm. But what I do, it just gives me clarity, you know, and uh, and I can sort of see what's important and what's not, you know. I'm interested in your version. Like everyone, one has a different vision of yeah. what meditation is. Um, they have different experiences with it. I mean, and I'm sure you do too. I speak to so many people yeah. like, nah, can't do it. Like, I just can't. Like, but I often find that it's probably their perspective of it that's a bit skewed. Like, a lot of people I talk to are like, nah, I can't empty my head. Like, I've always got stuff yeah. going on. It's like, well, it's not about emptying your head, that's but right. that's just to me. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I, I think we're, we're guilty of trying to, you know, get it right straight away. It takes bloody years. It's taken me years, you know, and I've only persisted at it because. You know, I've read enough stuff on it to see the benefits. So, shit, I've given up. I've started again. I've given up. But I've persisted. And I've got to a point now. It's like, all right, I get it for me. And, and all it really is, all it is is, uh, so, you know, I'll just sit um, on the ground and I'll be upright, you know, so I'm, I can feel my body. And then I'll just try to just breathe, you know, and just focus on the breathing. And, uh you know, and the thoughts they come, if I just try to ignore, you know, ignore them, but sometimes I, I battle with it, but I try, try to push through it. But I just feel that it just calms me down, you know? And, uh, and, and that's, and I think that's the most exciting thing is, is that it just puts, um, uh, enables me to put things, you know, into perspective mm. because, yeah, I can clear my head. Because, you know, we're making tens of thousands of decisions a day, aren't we? Automatic decisions. And we, um, you know, uh, are uh, having a lot of thoughts, you know, but a lot of them aren't, aren't required and not relevant to, you know, what we require. I liken it to, the best way I explain it to friends, because we always have this talk because, you know, they think I'm a bit of a hippie because I do things like yeah. this. Um, other friends, they get it, but we're all different, eh? And yeah, it's always yeah. funny having these conversations with friends. Um, but the, I, the best way I can think to explain it is that, like, imagine... I guess, like, well, you don't have to imagine. Life is hectic. Yeah. Imagine being able to push pause on that for five minutes yeah. and just kind of have a bit of a breather and then carry on. I don't know. Like, people, That's a great people all the time say, man, I wish I had a remote for life that I could pause it or yeah. rewind it or whatever. Honestly, the, the, to me, that's it. So, I mean, I, I'll admit, I don't do it daily, um, but I do it when I'm mindful to do it. Yeah. And to me, that's the best explanation. Like, I always think the Matrix. When, uh, have you seen the movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah so when, when, when um, Neo and Morpheus, they go in and he's trying to explain to him what it is and then they pause it. He's just like, see, this is what's going on. And he's looking around like, oh, it's all stopped. So like, just gives you that five minutes to go, cool. I've never heard it explained like that. And, and like, I, I'm not interested in the rewinding or the fast forwarding. I just want to pause it, eh? Hey, yeah, know? yeah. Just give me a moment just to, you know. And, and, and it's like, you know, you've you got to take your car in to be serviced because you can't drive forever because at one point it's going to blow up, isn't it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it always cracks me up about um, you know, the advances in technology, but if your computer's not working, sometimes it's just as easy as turning it off, waiting 10 seconds and turning it back on. It's like, ah, it's yeah, going cool. again. Well, yeah, I've never heard that one. That's yeah. We've, and we've, it, we've passed on some, uh, yeah, I know. some analogies to each other. Today. Exactly. And, 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 and I'm like, that's what you're doing. You're just giving a bit of a reboot, you know? So everything works. Cool, bro. Well, last question I'll ask is I ask every guest that I have on the podcast. Um, you've answered it in different ways, I think, but I'll, I'll still ask. 
um, there's someone right now who's listening who's going through a bit of a rough patch. Yeah. What would your advice be in your own experience? Bearing in mind you're not a mental health professional. Yeah. Um, what would your advice be to them going through that? Yeah, the first thing I would do is um, I would get out the big bit of paper, you know, because I think for, for me, um, I want to see what's going on because the person knows what's going on, you know, they're, they're frustrated or they're confused or they're angry or they're, they're challenged, you know, um, in a relationship financially, whatever it might be. I just think first, you've got to get it all out and see it, you know, because sometimes we're trying to work out what's the best way to do things without really seeing things, you know, clearly. So imagine that, you're writing everything down, like, I'll just write down the word, you know, so I said, like, relationships, for example. It could be financial, you know, it could be spiritual, it could be... But I just want to see those things. And so where are the problems? You know, where, where do you think that the main problem is? Because what, what happens then is you can actually start to, um, you know, start the first step, you know, because all you want to do is get the first step. And generally, the first step is getting out, you know, what is, is, is going on inside you. That's the key, you know, mm. to get it out. Because once you get it out, A, you know, you, you feel a sense of relief, you know. Um, so you get it out on paper, but then you've got to take that and you've got to um, get some help, you know. I think asking for help is one of the best things you can do, you know. <laughs> From someone who never um, asked for exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. It's liberating, you know. And, um, and then... The person you ask them for help, they might not have the answers, but I tell you what, it is so good to be able to share something all of a sudden, you know, um, and then you've just got to, 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 to yeah, keep breaking it down, you know, what's important to you, you know, what truly, so are you living the life that's, you know, doing the things that are important to you, you know, if it's not, you've got to change those things, and I look at it like this, is that if you're lying on your deathbed at the age of 90 and looking at the highlight reel of your life, if what you're doing now is not in your highlight reel, you, you should look to change it, you know? So I think in, the, in a simple way, that's where I would start at, you know? And um, and then see where you're at, ask for some help, you know, and then the rest will just follow from there. You got any final thoughts or, or challenges you want to put out there to, to everyone listening? Is is it like an opinion you've got or something or something you're just really interested to know, being a curious mind like yeah, myself totally. that you want to ask? Totally. Yeah, I, if, um, you know, you you see on uh, movies or you know when you fly on a plane you know they always tell you to put the oxygen mask on first or get the life jacket on first there's a reason for that if you can't breathe or you're drowned you can't help anyone else you know so i think the best thing um, of advice that i've found is that uh, is if you can um, uh, help yourself and and have that uh, find that inner peace you know and trust who you are what what you truly you know can be um i think uh, you know, the world would be a far, far better place, you know, because I think a lot of people are, are living lives that aren't really true to themselves and society tells us that, oh, well, that's okay because it's safe and, you know, it's uh, you fit in and all those sort of things. We don't want people to fit in. <laughs> we want people to, to be who they are, you know, and, uh, and yeah, and just don't be as tough on it, on, on yourself, you know. We're so hard on, our, on ourselves and we're so hard on each other. It's got to be a bit uh, um, more... Um, yeah, a bit more empathetic, you know, to, to each other, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, I'm an aspirational per- person, you know, and uh, um, I'm excited about, about that, you know, and I encourage other people to, to, to find, you know, where they can add the most value and brings them the most joy, you know, and if you can do that, you're probably going to do well. 
Cool, bro. Where can people buy your what mental world of fitness is from? Yeah, so I'm, I'm online um, if you want to check me out. So it's uh, uh, paulrangiwahia.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Paul Rangiwahia. I do like a weekly you know, post. I, don't, I, I do mainly written stuff, you know. Mm. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, that's really all I do, all I do you know. But um, yeah, I'd love people, anyone to want to contact me. Um, like I say, I don't have all the answers, but I might be able to help you, you know, in some way. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a real privilege to, to be able to share um, today some of the things that are important to me and a bit of my journey. There it is, Mr. Porong, you are here, a mental health warrior and a fitness exploring all sorts of things and how we can keep ourselves held together. Uh, as always, it's interesting kind of starting out these conversations and diving into people's backgrounds before giving people, I guess, the reasons why they should be really listening to this person in the first place. I've already had some pretty crack up feedback from people um, kind of saying, man, who does this guy think he is kind of telling us how to look after ourselves a bit and then when they actually get deep into the quarter or by the end, they're like, ah, oh, okay, it makes sense now. Make sure you head along to our Facebook, give a review. We're available on Spotify. You may be listening there or perhaps on iTunes. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a review or rating, even if it's not good feedback. I always like taking people's feedback and seeing how we can apply it to the podcast to make it just that little bit better. We're also doing a giveaway uh, currently uh, on the Facebook and Instagram page. Pages and also we are raising a bit of money uh, for some people through another episode that is available on the podcast. So if you can go and check all those out for me, that would be absolutely massive. Stay tuned. We're going to be hitting you with more episodes. So make sure you head to everywhere you listen to your podcast and check out what else we've got happening. Take care and speak again soon.